0: You're listening to WALT. Homegrown, homemade radio. You're listening to Fisher Family Ghosts,
1: a six feet under companion podcast.
0: I'm Sam Dingman.
1: I'm Adrian Bain.
0: Adrian Bain, halt. What? Before we go any farther in this episode. I was just going to get a chip. No. What? We have unfinished business, milady. Excuse me? We have to talk about Rico. Yeah, we fucking do. From last week's
1: episode. I'm embarrassed that we didn't actually get to talk about him.
0: Let's write that wrong right now.
1: Okay, so what happened? so, hello everyone. Welcome to our scattered thoughts.
0: No, they're with us. They're into the they're intensity probably of this moment. Like,
1: why didn't you talk about Rico getting assaulted? Yeah. By his cousin. And
0: you know what? They're justified because it was irresponsible of us and we were derelict in our duties. Sloppy. Sloppy. Sloppy, sloppy. We are a mess.
1: Okay, let's not. <laughs> Some
0: have been saying it since episode one. Hey, oh, cell phone. Whoa. Okay, what, what point did you want to make?
1: Well, okay, so what happens? Rico, he walks in on his cousin, fires him, wasn't going to say anything, and Mm -hmm. then is like, all right, I trust my wife. Yes. And then she's like, I got to say something.
0: Dimes him out. Do we think
1: that she... I know. Do we think that she should have done that?
0: Ooh, that's not the question I thought you were going to ask.
1: I think that's really interesting that she... Why can't I remember her name? Vanessa. Vanessa. I think my June resolution is to be able to recall things better.
0: You recall many things well.
1: I know, but Actually, I-
0: you have a remarkable memory for conversations, for emotional dynamics that may or may not have been present in certain social moments. Thank you, honey. Names you're not so good with.
1: <laughs> I really can't. I really... I think it's... I have intentionally taught myself to not pay attention to names and only in my thirty one years of existence, maybe like twenty five years of being able to read have I realized that like that's probably a really important thing to to pay attention to It's an easy fix, you know um so <laughs> we'll find out so Vanessa okay yes. so, so do we think that Vanessa should have told
0: yes, the wife a hundred percent the because, she,
1: because in that moment, Vanessa is like, I am pulled between, do we know um, what did the Rico, wife's name?
0: Did Rico ever explicitly ask her not to say anything?
1: Ooh, I don't think so.
0: I don't think he did. That's the only circumstance okay. I can imagine it being even a conversation.
1: But hold on, hold on, hold on. And then I want to do a thought experiment. If we hired Joe... My sister's husband, Regina, is not going to like that I went here. <laughs> Do you want to put this on tape? <laughs> Some names
0: you have no trouble calling to mind. Yeah, I
1: know. Okay, let's say in a hypothetical world okay. that, let's say it's a friend. Let's say it's not someone we're related to. Okay. Um, We're equally close with the husband and wife. And yes. you're very close. And, you know, he's helping us fix something in our apartment. Sp-
0: Backling some drywall. Exactly. And Isn't that... That seems like a home improvement phrase.
1: Dingman, help me get to the point. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you come home. Yep. You cash in the act. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know you well enough that you will not sex shame him, but you will be like, what the fuck, man? Please do not have sex when I'm like paying you to be on, you know. So... well, 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 hold
0: on, hold on, hold on, hold on. In this scenario, I come home. This is a friend, and I find this person having sex. With their helper. With their helper. This is my thing, Adrian. I don't even think this is the right hypothetical. Okay. Because to me, the reason Vanessa absolutely had to tell Rico's cousin's wife about what Rico saw is because it's very clear that Rico's cousin's wife has no idea that Mm -hmm. her husband sometimes has sex with other people, let alone people of a different sexuality than the notionally hetero marriage that they have. Mm -hmm. Like It was clear that he was cheating on her. Yeah. And for that reason, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do for Vanessa to say, you are being mistreated by your husband. Mm -hmm. We are friends and we are family. I can't allow that to happen. The only scenario I think where it would have been okay for her to not say anything Mm -hmm. is if Rico had said to her, I, as your partner would really appreciate if you did not say anything I would like to handle this on my own, but I, think I, I don't know.
1: That is a really interesting culture clash for a moment because not all cultures take the truth at you know like they don't all handle the truth the same. True way, like we've had conversations, <laughs>
0: as it were. True.
1: Shout out to Emmanuel from my conversations with him. If that happened in the Czech Republic, nothing would be said, right, you know? Right. So I think that that's, like, that's a very American perception of we we kind of fall on the sword of our philosophies around truth and how, like, honest Abe, like, George Washington cut down the tree and, like, he told the truth. Like, people were so suckled right. on that notion.
0: That is, ironically, a mythology that we love.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. So I just think that, like, we're really coming from if it was you and me, I'd, I don't know what I would do because, in some instances, like, is it my place to interfere with somebody else's marriage? But also, I would be lying.
0: But what if it's your or withholding
1: information? But I think
0: the context is important. If I found out. That one of your dear friends, let's call that person Marla. (laughs) Let's say that I found out that Marla was being mistreated by Marla's partner.
1: Actually, yeah, I'd be like.
0: And I didn't say anything.
1: Oh, I would fucking kill you.
0: I think justifiable homicide. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if I I came into possession of that information and I just didn't say anything to you out of respect for a relationship that's not mine, that feels wrong to me.
1: And also like they didn't talk about it. She at no point do we see her being like, Rico, we need to tell her. Like she kind of just does it on her own.
0: She goes rogue.
1: Both of them handle it pretty poorly then.
0: Right, but at least Vanessa chooses the side of honesty rather than whatever is in Rico's head about the right way to handle this. Yeah. Listeners, what do you think?
1: I would love to know what other people think.
0: Let us know, ffg at walt.fm. But getting back to this whole dynamic of partners in relationships communicating in jacked up ways.
1: That's all we do.
0: Let us... (laughs)
1: <laughs> I never want to say anything directly to you.
0: This entire podcast is a series of coded messages mm-hmm. about actual this stuff. This is my Britney. That Adrian and I, What?
1: <laughs> the way that Britney Spears there's a conspiracy theory that Oh, Britney she's Spears like sending is messages sending to messages. Yeah, yeah. So this is my Britney.
0: I can't even <laughs> handle that information right now.
1: Which is perfect because Claire talks about Britney Spears's virginity in this episode. She's
0: a Segway machine, this one. I got it. She's a Segway machine. (laughs) Okay, we are going to take a deep breath, consider our emotions about Season 2, Episode 9, and when we come back, we will share those emotions with you. And we're back. And we're back. Adrian Bain, <gasps> let's get right into it. Get into it. This episode, I just wanted to say, I don't know if I have a larger point to make about this. Well, I sort of do. I have a question for the listeners mm. who have seen Six Feet Under all the way through before. Mm-hmm. This episode was written by series creator Alan Ball. Uh-huh. And it was very, in my opinion, very much an episode about fatherhood and. a lack of communication around fatherhood. And since he's the one who came up with this, the entire concept for Six Feet Under the Show in the first place, Mm -hmm. it seems like that is a subject he's very interested in writing about. And I'm wondering if anyone else has noticed a stronger presence of that theme in episodes written by Mr. Ball as the series continues f f g at w a l t dot f m Adrian Bain, would you agree with me that this episode was very much about fatherhood and the miscommunications well, between fathers and their children?
1: yes, and a little bit about like disappointment and depression, there was a yes. lot of mention of depression as well,
0: yeah, Keith is very obviously going through something. <sighs> the two wives that the construction workers are talking about are very obviously going through something.
1: Wait, I just had a huge thought. Hit me. Do you think that Keith is so insistent on Carl, yeah, Carla because he himself needs help and he's ignoring that so he's like, I'm going to put it all on Carla.
0: Whoa, had not thought about that. I know. Had not considered. I,
1: l- I needed to raise both hands for that one.
0: I had not considered. Yeah, I I think you're totally right. I agree.
1: Because she's Obviously depressed. She mentions that.
0: He's pushing her to get help. And then every time time David tries to offer help, he is.
1: Becomes sass pants.
0: Deeply resistant. Little sass pants. Yeah.
1: Um, So, and he's obviously like going through some form of depression. And David is just like holding steady. And it really is such a yin and yang to. The earlier seasons of, like, what their dynamic was.
0: Yeah. Initially, when we met David and Keith, they had poor communication. The dynamic that once brought them close together, whatever it was, was fraying, and they were clearly on a path to splitting up. Mm -hmm. And now, in spite of the fact that Keith is very clearly going through something intense, David is in an emotionally centered enough place... To hold emotional space for Keith, yeah, to not freak out when Keith gets upset, to
1: he's like a storage room of emotional space.
0: He listens to Keith when Keith expresses his needs. Keith's like, "I want you to go," and David says, "Okay, I will go home. That's fine." Or, or he he offers to go home if that's what Keith prefers. He doesn't seem to be deeply wounded by it. He's in a he's, it's hard earned, yeah, but he's really gotten there. Totally. Whereas in the beginning of the series. The Nate and Brenda were seemed like they were so in sync, so on the same page, kind of marveling at their wackadoo families from a space of some remove until they really started to have to confront very significant needs within themselves as they relate to their relationship with each other. And now they can't even tell each other the truth. The reason I said the thing about fatherhood at the mm-hmm. beginning is in addition to the themes of depression and devastating realities falling out of the clear blue sky <laughs> that I think the death of Dwight Edgar Garrison s- sets us up for in this, there is also this recurring theme of people mm-hmm. not knowing their fathers, not being able to communicate with their fathers, not oh, talking to their fathers. that's a good Paul. Um. Brenda says, to, well, the first example of that is that Dwight's daughter yep. gets upset. She says, I hadn't talked to him in so long. Keith and Carla are definitely rehashing oh their gosh, relationship right. with their father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then...
1: Oh, my God. Daddy issues. Also, my dad will call me back. Like, what does this say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, maybe he's been watching Six Feet Under. Yeah, maybe he has. Actually, we know that he's actually been watching... Um, Birds of Prey, the really who's uh, that Harley Quinn movie from the Batman? Because he shares our HBO. I know. Um, and then the biggest lack of communication around fatherhood is when Lisa shows up in the grocery store Mm -hmm. and says to Nate, "You are the father of this baby that I'm carrying." Yep. Because surprise, Six Feet Under viewers, Nate and I. Had sex during that Seattle visit.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Nate being a baby daddy.
0: I will say, Sam Damon catchphrase. Completely forgot about that plot twist. Had no memory of it. Wow. And
1: that's really comforting to know that, like, you'll probably just forget some really significant moments in our early.
0: But I'll remember all the names. (laughs) <laughs> you remember the emotionally significant events I will remember what to call everybody <laughs>
1: I don't know if that's an equal trade-off but no, okay. I, th- I
0: think you're carrying a bit more of the burden there
1: Can we talk about something mildly superficial first? Sure Okay, I don't know Los Angeles, right? So is it wild that they would be shopping in the same...
0: I think Lisa was looking for Nate
1: She was fucking looking Because Because she's wearing that coat Mm-hmm. Like, what is that coat?
0: Yeah. I think she was trying to figure out how to play it. And the best she's been able to... She's in a terrible situation, obviously. Right. But the best she was able to come up with was, well, I have an opportunity to move to the city where he lives.
1: Get paid some good money.
0: Which I'm going to need if I'm going to be raising this baby by myself. Oh, my God. I'm and gonna I'm going to track... And I, I want to track him down, but I... She's n-
1: so non-confrontational.
0: But she's non-confrontational. Ugh. She does not want to confront him. The other thing I wondered about in that moment, mm-hmm. this is actually, I, this is not a superficial question at all. She says to Nate, we've been through this before.
1: I know. They've had an abortion. Come on, So Fisher, I think
0: Lisa... Wrap
1: it up.
0: Lisa says... Th-
1: That's Fucked up to
0: herself. He's not getting away with it this time. Maybe I'm not ready to go over to the funeral home and confront him, but yeah, I'm gonna lurk around places I know I might see him until I do.
1: That's sad and creepy at the same time.
0: Creepy on Lisa's part, yeah. Right, because you'd you'd prefer that she she just just be able to waltzes up to him, go talk to him, yeah. But gotta put more of the blame on Nate here, I think.
1: No, no, no. Well, yes. I don't think that Nate handled it well. I think that he is emotionally, he emotionally uses her. He physically uses her. That is all super fucked up. But also she should be able to be like, hey, bucko, I have your fucking kid cooking in me. Right. Can you take some fucking responsibility? Like she shouldn't be lurking around grocery stores. That's like, that's not a sign of someone who has like a healthy development. So yes, I don't want to like, Shame her, because I understand that she's in a very difficult predicament. But as like on a human level, we need to learn how to communicate clearly when shit's fucked up.
0: Well, Lisa is clearly more comfortable being emotionally direct with the ants in her kitchen than she is. I know with Nate. That's
1: what I'm saying. Is that like it's a little? It's a little mature.
0: But I think that is also because Nate has been an emotional vampire with her for-
1: Totally. Years. Totally. That's I, true. That's true.
0: I thought it was interesting that in the aftermath of finding out this information, when Nate goes for his high-speed motorcycle ride to the I Bluffs, know. and he has the visitation from Nathaniel Sr., mm-hmm. Nathaniel Sr. says to him, you can get away with anything. I know. Suggesting Fucking that-
1: Fucking Patriarchy.
0: Well, but this is the thing. Is that the patriarchy? Or, as we have talked about— Yeah,
1: that's a man abandoning a woman who's being a child.
0: Yes. No, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that's not the patriarchy. I meant in the sense of Nathaniel Sr. Is that actually something Nathaniel Sr. would have said? Or—
1: Is that Nate's thought?
0: Is that Nate's perception of what his father's value system was? I think it's the latter. By the logic that we have talked about on the show— When Nathaniel Sr. appears to people in the show, it is partially their perception of who he was as a person, and it's partially them talking back to themselves. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that in that moment, we discover that Nate's perception of his father is apparently that you can just do whatever you want, and you don't have to tell anybody the truth. Because we know that Nathaniel Sr. was a secretive dude, mm-hmm. and we know that he was not always clear with people about who he was or where he was coming from. But we also learned in the last episode, when we saw him as a human rather than as a right. embodied memory or personification of people's anxieties, that even if he had messed up ways of showing it, he did really love his family and want his family to be together and care tremendously about them. Yeah. So I found that moment very heartbreaking that somehow, mm. to Nate's perception, that got turned into just do whatever you want and mess with people's emotions and say whatever you need to say to get away with it.
1: I mean, I took it a little differently. Tell me. Because I was thinking that he was suggesting that as a dude, he never really has to take responsibility of where his seed falls and that he can just, like, walk away whenever he wants to. I took it in a much more specific sense, I think.
0: But did you did but you I, take I, that as something Nathaniel Sr. actually believed or something? No, I, t-
1: I definitely took it in what you were saying and, like, this is how Nate perceives his father. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I just took it in a more narrowed way.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it was about paternity specifically.
1: Being like, you can walk away at any point. Mm. The question is, should Nate tell Brenda? Brenda's not going to tell him about her extra, I don't know, about her cheating. You know, she's not going to say it. Mm -hmm. So again, it comes back to the truth. Like, And I truly believe this, and not just because I'm an American, but maybe that adds to it. I do believe that being honest with each other and telling each other the truth as quickly as possible is kind of a secret sauce for relationships because then shit doesn't fester. You don't start acting out because you have all of these suppressed feelings. Like, the sooner shit is out, the better. And that's why I need to tell you I'm $65,000 in debt.
0: (laughs) Okay, Nikki from Big Love. <laughs> let's talk about Big Love. No. <laughs> um, also, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen, well, you find that out pretty. Really, early you're in Big making Love. light
1: of my confession. You don't know if I'm kidding.
0: I'm pretty sure that you're kidding, Adrian. You just brought in from the curb. A water bottle that someone else was giving away. Yeah, I'm poor because you didn't want to buy a new one.
1: That because I'm sixty five thousand dollars in debt.
0: Oh yeah, I could see how it could work that way. Actually, I was going to say that it was like you don't you don't have the impulse to like spend, spend, spend. But it could also mean that you had the impulse to spend, 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 and now all your credit cards have been shut off, so you can't buy a new water bottle. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, lots for us to sort through after this episode. <sighs> Okay, but let's stick with Brenda for a second. Yep. I had a huge two-hands-in-the-air Adrian-style revelation myself in this episode.
1: Great. What is this? What is this one?
0: As in Y and YMCA?
1: No. Uh, touchdown. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah touchdown. That's I my a, sports understanding.
0: I had a touchdown moment because all through these last few episodes where Brenda's been acting out, running wild, and then furiously writing about it, I have been unable in my tiny brain to figure out what is the deal with Brenda and writing this book? Like, why is writing this book so important to her? What, what is this subplot about? And then, I'm watching the episode today. Brenda's in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. She sees Charlotte light and dark. And then I was like, oh, of course she wants to write a book
1: about
0: her actual inner life because a book about her fake inner life was put out into the world and declared to be the truth of how she operates. And she is trying to correct that. And that gave me a deepened level of compassion for these urges that she is feeling, even though obviously it's very bad that she is cheating on Nate left and right. It made me understand on a deeper level the connection between these impulses for well, her. Well,
1: and also the last book that we see her kind of make up is your brother's a wacko and your fiance's gonna die. Like, she very much feels like the, sh- there is no control Mm-hmm. She is losing control with the people around her. She's
0: losing control of the narrative of her life,
1: and she's losing control of the narrative of her life. So she's yeah. like, "Fuck! It, I need to write it on my own."
0: Ugh, I think we cracked it.
1: Yeah, I did, like a fucking walnut.
0: There was another interesting small. Now this is a trivial, shallow, superficial point that I'm about to make. When they were, when the camera was panning across the titles of the mm-hmm. books in the psychology section. Mm -hmm. one of them said the title of the book, and then it said second edition, Mm -hmm. but edition was misspelled. (sighs) They had spelled it like addition and subtraction Ah! rather than edition. So That's funny. Not much need to dwell on it, I suppose, but I just wanted to say that I noticed it. (laughs) However, going back to your much smarter point about her seeing the hallucinating... The The book titles. Book titles that aren't really there.
1: I hate you, don't leave me.
0: (laughs) Right. That
1: one was so funny.
0: It put me in mind of the scene where David has the dream on the couch. Yeah. Where he's watching the TV show, and it's him and Keith talking about how beautiful and perfect and in sync their relationship is.
1: Yeah. Do we think they're getting there? Because when Keith was like, don't you think we're moving a little bit fast? I was kind of like, Keith, stop it, you know? I did love that they were joking about it. So do you think that they're putting in, so the fantasy goes that they're putting in the, that they've already put in the work.
0: Right, right.
1: But are they putting in the work Which David has.
0: David's put in the work.
1: It's never done though.
0: Right, right, right. I just mean the work on himself that as you were alluding to earlier, Keith is resisting doing Mm -hmm. on himself. Yeah. Here's my question which version of Keith are we meant to believe in this episode? Because we see a version of Keith that is irritated by David's presence, seems to be frustrated by everything that he says, does not want to make a connection with him.
1: I don't think that's totally true.
0: But we also see a version of Keith that is like, let's have sex right now. Yeah. Don't leave. I want you to stay here. All, All things, as we have talked about, that, david used to do to keith when the shoe was on the other foot that's true but interestingly keith says at one point i'm so tired of taking care of other people's problems what did you make of that because we have talked so much about how keith is the superhero who's always swooping in to save the day in the early part of the series and this i feel like is the first hint that we get that that
1: Is really weighing on him. That
0: really weighs on him.
1: Totally. Well, I think that, like, if we take, if we compound all of the bullshit that David put him through, and we don't really get a sense that, what was it, Eddie, his ex? Yeah. We don't really get a sense that, like, he took care of Eddie's problems, but he's obviously taking care of his family's problems. And what does he do for a job? He's literally there to go fix problems Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. in
1: ideally a non-violent way. Right. So I think that like, yeah, it is weighing on him.
0: And we found out in this episode what had been hinted at previously, but that he and Carla's father was very abusive. Yeah. So the idea that Keith would want to be a protector Yeah, totally. and want people to follow the rules Yeah. and behave the way they should, that makes sense. But how does that tie into what's happening with him and David. Because David is being very protective of Keith's feelings in this. Not protective, but, because that makes it sound like he's not telling Keith stuff. He's being very...
1: He's hes holding, he's, I think you said it before, he's giving him the space, since Keith is so resistant to find, to getting serious help, David is like, all right, I'm your only outlet, throw it on me. And he says that it's fine. He likes it. He's okay with it. And if anything, he's like, I don't think he's ever said this, but he's probably like, I know I put you through shit. So I, I'm here for you now.
0: I think we're learning that Keith gives love through acts of service, but does not receive, but receives love through physical touch.
1: Ooh, oh, I love that.
0: Because in the moment where he really gets the most vulnerable with David, he says, I miss Taylor. David says, I miss Taylor too. And Keith says, let's have sex on the floor.
1: Oh, that's so (laughs) astute. Oh, yeah, that's so good.
0: Speaking of therapy, though, Mm -hmm. I want to go back to Brenda quickly because I found it very interesting. We were talking in that scene. Last week, we talked a bit about how... Brenda's relationship with Melissa seemed to be a kind of catalyst for Brenda to give herself permission to do all this stuff that she's been doing. Oh, yeah,
1: we need to talk about her friend, Melissa.
0: And now, and and then she also gave herself permission to just kind of regale Melissa with her exploits because she seems to assume that Melissa will be excited for her. And increasingly what we're finding is that Melissa, at least visually, seems sort of bored.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And in this episode is starting to get annoyed by Brenda. And even says, like, have you ever considered talking to a therapist? Yeah. The implication being, stop using me as your therapist.
1: Totally. And also, like, you're being really reckless. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. You're clearly avoiding something. (laughs) Yes, that part too.
1: (laughs) And I think that Brenda thinks that just because Melissa is an escort. Right. That means that she can talk to her about any kind and all kind of sex. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she understands that like Melissa's work is very compartmentalized from the rest of her life and that she's not fucking random guys. Maybe she is, who knows? But that actually doesn't seem on brand for her. And she seems very like professional and bifurcates.
0: That's not, we don't even know anything about that part of her life.
1: I feel like Brenda is kind of using Melissa.
0: Very much.
1: And I I feel really bad because Brenda doesn't have any other friends and like that totally sucks, but again, that's also something that like she has put herself into that position. So, I don't know. I feel really bad for Melissa cuz I feel like she's being used and like
0: and these are the kind of things that presumably Brenda would have previously talked about—well, I was going to say with Billy, but maybe she wouldn't even have talked about them with Billy. I
1: don't think she would have talked about this with Billy, which is a great segue because we need to talk about Billy.
0: Oh, we have to talk about Billy. Well, first thing I want to say about Billy, Billy disengages from his, quote, toxic relationship with Brenda, which in that moment is like— Wow, Billy, good boundaries. I
1: don't even fucking recognize him, to be perfectly honest. Oh, he disengages with his toxic relationship with his sister, but he chooses to live with Margaret? Are you fucking kidding me? Well,
0: I'm not saying it's perfect, but I think he the points that he is making, though they are hard for Brenda to hear...
1: I think they're valid.
0: Do seem... Well, to an extent. To, to an extent, they're valid. But what I think is very interesting is that Brenda... He, Billy says that Brenda protected him from the world too much, kept him separate from the world so that he could never really learn how to deal with it. And Brenda, when she is monologuing to Melissa about her hookup with this author, says that it's not about sex. It's about not being outside myself Mm -hmm. anymore. It's about being in the world, Mm -hmm. like Hmm. connecting with that energy. So... I think there was a way, I, I think, yeah, to an extent, Billy is right, but there was also a degree to which Billy was keeping Brenda, as we have talked about, I suppose, from yeah. being in her own life.
1: I think they both had little shackles on each other's legs. Yeah. Billy shows it in a much more like violent and manic way, and Brenda tends to show it in a very like depressive way, aka Charlotte Light and Dark. Boom. Bang. Touch down um
0: (laughs) adrian learns one sports word and then says it exclusively
1: (laughs) it's my new word
0: in all contexts
1: touchdown um
0: (laughs) adrian what do you want to have for dinner this weekend touchdown no honey
1: (laughs) that's what i I meant to say not just (laughs) um just super bowl snacks um
0: that actually sounds great let's do that that's
1: a really good
0: idea pretzel bites
1: billy goes on about his therapist Yes. Again, the opposite. He's like, I go to my therapist. I check in with her. I think she's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. But I'm the therapist seems to have helped Billy articulate a narrative that Brenda was really um, not constructive right. in his life. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way that it was articulated really discredits Brenda's experience of like, I fucking took care of you. I have been there for you forever. I have sacrificed so much of my own life to make sure that you are okay. So, yeah. And then she acts out, that's the impetus.
0: Right. Well, we have talked a lot about how Brenda seems to fear real emotional intimacy with Nate Mm -hmm. or with anybody else because it feels dangerous to her Mm -hmm. because of her experience with Billy. And in this episode, the one person who she has allowed herself to have true emotional intimacy with abandons her. So it's like her worst fears realized. She's unleashed. Mm -hmm. And when...
1: Especially after she thinks she sacrificed so much.
0: Yes. And then when she's there, I just thought of this right now, but when she's there listening to the psychologist read from his book, Yeah. He's saying there's this myth that there's another person out there who completes us. And our belief in this myth is what prevents us from self-actualizing. I imagined that Nate was on her mind in that moment. But as we're talking now, I feel like I'm sure he was somewhere. But also, she was probably thinking about Billy.
1: Yeah. But let's keep talking about Billy.
0: Sticking with Billy. Yes, he shows some healthy boundaries with Brenda. In that scene, in that, that scene where they, he disengages. But then he, it turns out, is going to meet up with Claire. No boundaries. And at first he's very, the first time we see him and Claire together, nothing terribly gross happens. I
1: know, I'm he, so sus of him.
0: He shows empathy for Gabe. He listens to Claire's emotional experience about Gabe. He gives her physical space in the scene. He sits apart from her. He doesn't seem to be playing any kind of mind games with her.
1: Yeah. And there's no sexual energy. None. That was something that Billy, like, I <sighs> could feel it coming out of the television, you know? like Right. Yeah. And there was none of that.
0: But then the next time that we see them together, he has lured her to the apartment where he takes off his clothes and— forces her to take pictures of him.
1: He doesn't force her.
0: He doesn't force her, but he... And also... It's coercive.
1: Again, there's no, like... But I think that Claire knew what she was getting into. Ooh, really? Because he took his clothes off so... He took the robe off, like, so casually as, like, you know what the next step is. He wasn't like, okay, so actually what I want to happen is that you're going to... I'm going to take off my clothes... I like that we never see that conversation happen, which makes me think the only reason she is coming is because she knows.
0: Ooh. I
1: think she knows.
0: I see it differently. I see it Why as... wouldn't he
1: tell her? Why wouldn't she run out of the room immediately? Like we don't see her we don't see him take his clothes off and her go, "Holy fucking shit." Do we?
0: We we see her recoil a little bit, but the other thing that he's doing is he's telling her how special she is, how yeah. only her, she is the only one who could do this project with him. True. Sure. And playing, wittingly or not, into her desire to be an artist, mm-hmm. to, to be a visual artist, which we know is a passion of hers. And I think what's happening in that moment is she's sketched out for sure But she does think Billy is a brilliant artist. She says in the previous scene with the two of them, like, your emails were so brilliant, I saved them all. And so I think there is maybe a part of her that knows that this is sketchy, but also feels like, okay, this is an artist who I admire inviting me to express myself creatively, which Sarah only just recently told her she should do more of. Mm -hmm. So I think she's maybe caught between those two impulses and at first Billy is turned away from her and is not being aggressive with her. It's only when he does turn around and kind of close the gap between them and starts crying and trying to elicit sympathy from her that she realizes, I see the game you're playing here. And she grabs her stuff and she gets out.
1: What kind of game do you think he's playing?
0: I think that he was, because after she leaves, he kind of stops crying instantly, suggesting in my mind that he was not actually upset, that he was pretending to be upset because he wanted Claire to have sex with him because she thought it would make him feel better. Hmm. And she realized that that was what was going on and got out of there. Hmm. That was how I saw it.
1: I did not interpret it that way. I thought that she was fucking weirded out that he was crying and then he turns around and she's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, this Mm -hmm, is too mm -hmm. much emotional intensity and she's not used to dealing with any of that. That's not to say that, like, this isn't predatory. I guess it's just, like, we know when Billy is weirdly aroused and this, for me, I just didn't feel that. Hmm. But no, the whole situation is, like, fucking creepy. So...
0: Listeners, how did you take it? I
1: would love to know how other people took it.
0: FFG at WALT.FM. I
1: thought it was the emotional in- intimacy she couldn't handle.
0: Huh. Wow. Didn't I
1: didn't think she was walking in there being like, I want to have sex with him.
0: I don't I think, think she, she was I think she wants either.
1: to impress him. Yeah. I think she wants to like be, she did clarify that she was 18 though, which I'm like, hmm, interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think maybe she's trying to figure it out. Yeah. She's trying to figure it out if she can really trust him. I also thought it was interesting that, as we have talked about before, Claire's whole thing is that she sees people so clearly with Mm -hmm. clarity.
1: And she totally does.
0: And Billy literally says in that scene, I need someone who sees me.
1: Mm -hmm. And the photos, the thing that I loved was how that actress... They, like, facially responded to the photos that she took.
0: What did you take from her she was
1: response. like, oh, these are really good. I saw her analyzing it. And I saw her being like, I really like that. I like the lighting here. I saw her being pleased and curious and, like, analytical in the way that, like... I loved that. I loved that.
0: I agree, because I think that moment was... It was such a testament to Lauren Ambrose's acting. See? Names. And... The fact that we we didn't need her to somehow we didn't need dialogue that somehow expressed the idea that she was I, like pleased with her There's photographic no craft. In that. It was so clear just from watching her face, yeah, that she was pleased with the photographs and not it didn't have anything to do with Billy. She yeah, was pleased exactly. with her skill. Yes, it was great. Clear moment.
1: Good clear moment.
0: And that's a great moment to end this episode. Mm -hmm. Friends, we thank you as always for listening to the show. If you would like to respond to any of the specific call-outs that we made for your emails or anything else, six feet under related, ffg at walt.fm.
1: FM. while you're listening, if you could rate and review. We would love that.
0: We would.
1: Helps the algorithm boost us up.
0: Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.